And of course, that particular sound, courtesy of the Global Oneness Project, um, and it comes as we are reflecting on the life of the late Credo Motwa. Now, yesterday marked, oh, the 25th of March, that is. Yes, that was yesterday. It marked exactly one year since the passing of the African spiritual icon. And today we'll reflect on uh, his life, we'll reflect on the year that has been. You can remember that his passing came as the country entered into strict lockdown. And so, uh, you know, there was very tight restrictions around his memorial and even his funeral. And um, to join us for that conversation, let me welcome Rutendo Ngara, who is the chairperson of the Credo Motor Foundation. Good morning and thank you so much for your time. Good morning, Cathy, and good morning to the listeners. Thank you for having me. It's been a year, and you know, you as the organization or as the foundation have been quite intentional about setting up events that are going to help honor the late Ntademotwa. Before we get into what you have lined up, let's just speak about his legacy. And um, I was keen to see that in the statement that you issued, you also talk about how some of the things that are taking place in the in the country and in the world were part of the predictions that he had long made. Absolutely. And I mean, you've just mentioned that, you know, he passed away a day before we went into lockdown, which was very auspicious and very telling um, in terms of many of the warnings that you know he'd been issuing through the years. Uh, he had been warning, um, you know, in his predictions, and 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 you know, a lot of his predictions were not simply oratory. You know, mm-hmm. he 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 coded his predictions in his paintings. He coded his predictions, you know, in his sculptures. He coded his predictions in his writings. And uh, one of the the most um, famous of those was how he coded the 9-11 events in uh, the United States on a painting that is actually is still on a wall in the Kredomoto village in Soweto at the moment. Mm. And uh, so he had this incredible reach into the future in as much as he had a reach into the past, you know. And through that, he was trying to align us to know how to use the past, how to use the ancient wisdom of the past in order to meet many of the challenges that were coming into the future. And I believe through a lot that he has left for us and his incredible works, which are, you know, he was a polymath, you know, whether it was in the various media that he left his works, were trying to arm us for the times such as the time of great uncertainty that for us, the 26th of March, the day after he passed away, 2020, you know, brought in for us where suddenly we were locked down and uh, we almost had to rethink life. Mm-hmm. you know, in all its facets. And um, a lot of this is what Ubaba Mutwa, Isanusi Kredo Mutwa, was warning us about. You have to rethink. And I'm really grateful that you played that particular clip about awakening the mother mind. So the rethinking or reimagining how we meet the times that we're in requires us to come from a different paradigm to the one that has become dominant in the world today. Mm-hmm. And in that, you know, he, he spoke of that mother mind of listening from the womb, you know, and we know that she was very conversant with the divine feminine as a way of approaching life and seeing the interconnectedness, the interrelatedness and interdependence of all of all facets of existence. 
One of the things that has been said about him is how he was able to work across different mediums. And mm. um, if, if you can just share a bit of that, we have him as a healer. We have him as a teacher. Mm. We also have him as an author and this creative being, really. Mm. No, absolutely. I think he, he was the true epitome of what a polymath is, you know, a, a, a multifaceted being. And uh, many people will have seen his videos on uh, YouTube or, you know, on, on the Internet and know him as a great orator and a great storyteller. And his storytelling was not just in the oratory form. We know that he wrote in the course of iconic book, In Dabba My Children, written, published in 1964, way back then, mm-hmm. you know, which he wrote on a typewriter as he worked in a small um, office you know, in Soweto, in a, I believe it was a, a kind of a, a cultural um, shop, you know. Um, but in that time that he was writing that, that was, of course, during the times when, you know, apartheid had no reared his, his, his ugly head. And so in as much as he was writing, you know, in that form, he was also cognizant of the, the, the political situation of the day. And so he expressed that next in his uh, villages. You know, he began with um, what they call Kayanindaba, Kwakayanindaba in Soweto, or the Kwerimutu village at Oppenheimer Tower in Soweto, where in his original thoughts around it, it was firstly to showcase the, you know, the in, in a lived museum form, you know, the, the culture and the, the spiritual practices and the medicinal practices of the different African tribal groupings, mm-hmm. you know, whether it was the Ndebele, you know, or, you know, the Sutu, the Zulu, etc. But within that, he had also in his original plans, you know, you know, wanted to encode the history of the country, you know, you know, the pre-colonial and colonial history of the country within those villages. So you see there his paintings, you see there his sculptures, you see there that he was a builder, you know, he built um, uh, over and above himself as a writer. In Soweto as well, he was also a playwright. And, uh, you know, um, in the past three years or so, um, a replay of his uh, Uno Silimela that he did in 1973 in mm-hmm. his backyard, you know, was done by this, you know. So he, he wrote songs, he, you know, he wrote the entire play, which was at that time acted by members of his family um, in uh, an open theater you know, in his backyard. Um, but he was also a, an incredible philosopher. You know, he, uh, he was a cosmologist. He, uh, he was a seer. He was a healer. He was uh, the highest form of, uh, of, 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 of indigenous healer, wisdom keepers. He was mm-hmm. a Sanusi. You know, he, uh, he was a historian. I mean, he was a teacher. He was a sage. I mean, he's so, he had so many facets. Yeah, you know, it was yeah. difficult to, Very, to pin this, this <laughs> one person down into yeah. one being. He was an institution. A very layered, a very, very layered in individual. We're going to continue our conversation with Rutendo Ngara. She is the chairperson of the Credo Motor Foundation after this. The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana, weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. 
We are reflecting on a year since the passing of Isanusi Credo Motwa and that taking that that taking place a day before the country went into its strict lockdown. Rutendo Ngara is the chairperson of the Credo Motwa Foundation and is joining me for this conversation. One of the things that we saw Rutendo was, you know, incredible anger and outrage at the preservation of the legacy of somebody like Ndate Mutua and the kind of um, appreciation that that was shown to him during uh, his life and a general sentiment that there has been a a disregard not just of African spirituality but also his contribution um, to to African spirituality but also just to to the country's history as well. You know, it's, uh, thank you very much for that, um, Kathy. In, in many ways, during his life, he was probably more celebrated outside of the borders of the country than within the country of his birth, you know, mm. where it was really recognized, you know, what his contribution is. And, you know, especially in, in, in places like the United States of America, where, you know, people recognized that, you know, he was not just bringing forth the wisdom of South Africa, but he almost held Africa's wisdom within the palms of his hand. And, um, you know, so many of the people who came, you know, during his lifetime to see him were unfortunately not from here, you know, you know, who came to sit around his feet and really drink of his wisdom, you know, in order to try and, um, you know, and celebrate who he was. So I think it is only, unfortunately, you know, as he, he passes and enters into the realms of the ancestors that, uh, uh, and or, or in the years, you know, when he was starting to become, you know, very old and very ill, that mm. there was a lot more recognition, you know, by many that actually he he held a key or many keys for us here in Africa and uh, even here in South Africa. So, but I believe his works are timeless. Mm. You know, he wrote he what whatever he you know he wrote in 1964 still holds today you know it will hold you know for hundreds of years to come so um we venerate him as a great ancestor and it is even though we are venerating him beyond his time here upon the planet Mm. um we need to do justice by ensuring that you know all his vision you know his legacy is uh, is preserved you know, he really saw art as a way, as a route of enlightenment. He was passionate about empowering communities. And wherever he set up home, you know, he really worked with the communities there. You know, he was really, you know, passionate about the discovery of the self and then how that impacts the whole. You know, about the economy, about the emancipation of the African spirit through African spirituality and how to heal society, you know, how to educate the future uh, generations. And he was the epitome of indigenous knowledge systems, you Mm. know, and preserving cultural heritage. And it is important that the youth get access to it. And and some have said, actually, perhaps he was for the youth, you know. Maybe he was not venerated at the time because it was not... It was not his time, you know, mm. or you know, people were not ready. Mm. And those that are coming, especially in this time that we're in, mm. are the ones that really have to take up the mantle. And so mm. these are the ones that we really want to have access, the youth, the future leaders, the future uh, polymaths, the future credimutras of tomorrow. Mm. Rutendo, I'm going to open the phone lines and I'll kick it off with Aisha in Uppington. Aisha, good morning. 
Morning, Kathy. Morning. Good morning to you, guests, and to, to the listeners. Mm. It, it is so sad that he's gone when he's needed so much right now. Look mm. at yesterday's thing at, 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 the, at the shopping center. But that's not what I'm talking about. I would just, uh, the last time I heard the foundation, uh, they were busy with the intellectual property rights of uh, Credo Mutua. How far have they come in that battle? Have they won? Thank you very much for that question, Aisha. It is, it is definitely it's still a battle that we are um, faced with at the moment. You know, as, as you know, by the time he passed on, he did not hold rights to most of his works. And uh, it, is a, it is a battle that we're still busy with, you know, in terms of how do we have access to it so that we can, as you said, make it available to and accessible um, his works to, to all who, um, of this country and all of the continent and all of the world as well. Uh, so that is a battle that we're still present with. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's an absolutely unfortunate situation, Rutendo. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. What work has has gone into uh, trying to actually get some of those rights or even uh, get compensation for the monies that have been generated from these works and the royalties? Um, so, I mean, we have legal counsel who has been working, you know, very diligently, you know, with um, the different you know, people who hold, you know, the rights to his work, and especially looking into, you know, what were the agreements and what were the contracts, you know, that um, that were, were were made at the times, you know, that uh, rendered him to to be empty-handed, you know, by the time, you know, he passed on. And, and we know that he was actually quite bitter, um, you know, towards the end of his life about a lot of, you know, what was taken from him. So we are definitely following it up. Um, with, with our legal counsel around that. I've got a, a, a few more people who are responding and reflecting on uh, this conversation on our WhatsApp line as well. Morning, Katie and the listeners. It's Regin Gobo in Richmond, KZN. Uh, I just want to add my opinion about uh, the life and times of the great healer and the whole human being, uh, the late great um, I feel like we've failed our gift or uh, ancestral present by not celebrating his life fully and by not giving him the required attention that he was supposed to get. Uh, we are a failed nation as we speak because we are failing to take notice and recognize our ancestral gift in the form of human beings like the life and time of the late great Ubaba Umoto. I thank you, but I really feel so bad that we didn't do enough to advance his ideals. Indeed, Prophet Credo Moto was the greatest was his structures banned because of being suspected by revolutionary movement to be a spy? KJ. 
All right. So I don't know, Rutendo, do you want to answer that last question? And if you can just wrap it up also by speaking about some of the events as we edge towards the 1130 news headlines. Okay, thank you very much for that. Um, firstly, just I'd just like to acknowledge the National Writers Association of South Africa, who conferred a posthumous award to him just this past Sunday as Grand Patron of the Arts. And um, so we'd just like to acknowledge that there are those that are starting to recognize him. Unfortunately, it was posthumous and not you know, within his life. But yes, we do know that in 1976, you know, there, there was um, this un- unfortunate set of incidents where he was accused of being uh, a, a spy, a sellout, and uh, his house was burnt down, his um, shrine, you know, his Ndumba was burnt down, you know, some of the spaces that the Kurdamutu village was burnt down, he was beaten almost to death, you know, his wife was beaten, you know, and uh, a whole lot of events that happened, you know, from a miscommunicated uh, or, or what seemed to be a miscommunication about what his role had been in trying to warn people about the events that were that were at play. Mm-hmm. So this is, uh, I'm aware that there are um, those who were the youth from that time, from 1976, who wished to to bring forth a time of reparations, you know, ask for forgiveness and to cleanse that um, because they have said, in a way, by burning the house, They've burned the shrine of the nation in the way. And uh, so there is that, there's those plans by those of mm. that time. Rutendo, we're going to have to leave it there for today. Thank you so much for being part of this conversation. It's just after 11.30. Utzile Sako has your latest headlines.